0: This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 18th of November, 2010, Out of Office. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now
1: it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? I'm well, thanks Gihan. How are you? Um,
0: I'm happy. I'm on the other side of the ditch, or the ditch as they call it here. I was spending a few weeks in Auckland, so just doing my one month a year living somewhere else other than home. And really enjoying it.
1: Fantastic, isn't it? I love Auckland.
0: Yeah, it is. It is a really nice city and they've turned on the weather for me. So that's been even better. And in fact, this is what actually uh, our topic for today is going to be about this out of office lifestyle. Not necessarily the one that I'm living, but different ways of doing it. it. And this kind of came about because in previous podcasts, we've talked a lot about ways in which the internet can help you work with people who, who aren't any more physically located in the same office or the same city, even the same time zone. And we've talked about how cloud computing can help you with things like online collaboration, taking part in discussion forums, talked about some of the security problems that you've got, um, some of the time management issues for people when we're always on. And so today, we're going to put a structure around that and explain a number of options that can help you use the Internet to get more freedom in your work life. So some of the technical stuff we've covered in previous podcasts – but today we're going to put a big, the, the big picture around that. and In fact, we're currently writing a book, which is called Out of Office, which is on exactly that topic. So the, the, the broad brush picture is that Having that sort of lifestyle can take a number of different forms, and today we're going to talk about three of them. So the the terms that we're using are, first of all, the cross-worker. So this is the part-time telecommuter who spends part of their working week out of office. So you might be spending every Friday at home, or maybe Mondays and Fridays, or something like that, but you spend some of your time in the office, some of your time at home. The second one is the e-worker, or the full-time telecommuter, which is the category that you're in, Chris. So you spend all your time... Um, all your work time out of office, but in in a home office. And the third one is kind of my lifestyle, which is a digital nomad, sometimes called the location-independent worker, who again spends all their work time out of office, but this time, instead of having one fixed office... They're not necessarily confined to a single workplace. So what we're going to do is give you an overview of these three, three situations and talk about the differences between them and how the technology can, can, can help you and can facilitate that sort of lifestyle. And we're going to talk about some of the technology in passing, but this is really about the structure of your work life, not the technology itself, besides the fact that we've covered this in previous podcasts. But the main thing is that after you get the structure right, the technology is pretty easy.
1: Sure. And we should stress that we're not actually suggesting that everyone should aspire to be a digital nomad, even though it is an attractive lifestyle and one you're enjoying as we speak, Gihan. It's certainly not necessary in order to have a fulfilling, productive work life. So, as we said earlier, I, for example, are what we call an e-worker in this podcast, where I work from a fixed home office location and work with people who are on the other side of the planet. But I don't need necessarily the extra flexibility of being able to work from any location at all. So we won't make any judgment about what's best for you. What we're encouraging is that you choose your work style rather than having it dictated to you. So let's look at these uh, three work scenarios in a bit more detail. And for each of them, we're going to consider three separate factors. Firstly, that's you. That's your main purpose in choosing the situation that... uh, the the out-of-office situation for yourself, your team, so your colleagues, your clients, suppliers and other people that you work with, and how you're going to interact with them when you're out of office, and the world, so that's everybody else outside your work environment, and how you engage with the world. And Gihan, you've done a a really nice uh, model that uh, displays that that, that those kinds of ideas, and we'll include a picture of that model in our uh, blog notes for this particular podcast.
0: Yep, great, we'll
1: do that. So to kick things, we will, yep. So to kick things off, we'll actually start by talking about a scenario which most workers find themselves in, but it's not actually one of the three out of office situations that we cover, but it is very common. So in the typical office environment, you find yourself working full time from a common office, so that is you have fixed working hours and a fixed workplace, but sometimes, and sometimes this is disparagingly referred to as being a desk jockey. <laughs> If you do happen to be working from somewhere else, it's rare, and it's usually because you want to work off-site for some reason. For example, if you need a bit of quiet, uninterrupted time so you can focus on an important task. So this is, strictly speaking, being out of office, but it only happens to be a fairly small part of your work life. It's more of an exception than the rule. So if we refer to this you, your team and the world model, then your purpose is to focus and eliminate distractions, so you remain separate from your team, so in other words you've got a do not disturb sign up, and you shut out the rest of the world so it doesn't happen to distract you. That's all we're going to say about that particular off uh, situation, because it's specifically about isolation, whereas uh, the out-of-office situations we're talking about are more
0: about engagement. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In fact, you want to turn off everything. Turn off your phone, don't log on to the internet, don't do any of those things. Whereas the three things we're going to talk about are very much about how to integrate the two. And the first of those three is what we're calling the cross worker. So this is the, this is the, part-time telecommuter so again you probably got fixed working hours but now you've got two workplaces so your office and your home and you might be the only person doing that uh, or some of your colleagues might be also doing the same so just out of interest chris like what percentage of your your colleagues your work colleagues are doing any sort of telecommuting you know apart from you
1: good question uh, I've got another colleague who is doing full-time telecommuting, another person in my team. Uh, but another of, uh, of my close colleagues, some of them do happen to do a little bit of work from home. It's probably more like the off situation than the cross-worker that we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, right. So they, they, they go out of office so that they can eliminate distractions and focus on work. Generally. Yeah, and also like we, even though we're talking about these office environments where you're working with colleagues, this this does apply to business owners as well. And I remember in the early days of my business, I made a decision to spend Fridays away from the office and that was kind of deliberately to take time away from clients and client work and to focus on working on the business. So this this situation does happen whether you're working for somebody else or whether you're working for yourself. And again, like now if you look at those three things, like you look at you – your colleagues in the world, for you, your purpose in doing this is convenience. So you might take, let's say every Friday you're going to work from home. So you're still working. It's not like you're working a four day week. You're still working a five day week, but on Fridays you can do other stuff. You can schedule appointments with plumbers and Telstra people. You can, you can make other things happen because you happen to be working from a home office. And in terms of, in terms of the technology, the, the key to this is Although you're doing it for your own convenience, you've got to be disciplined. So you've got to set your own boundaries, and this is probably the most tempting one for you to goof off because it seems like the weekend starts early or you've got a day off, when in fact you haven't. And so you've got to make sure that you manage your technology so that you can be disciplined and still get work done. And, and also the other side of that is not, not be always on, so not get into the trap of thinking that you have to have your phone on all the time, otherwise you're going to miss an important call. So it's really about, um, for yourself, it's about discipline.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to dealing with your team, you're not actually isolated from them them, like you are in the off site situation. So you need to be able to cooperate with them. So when you need their help or vice versa, you need to be able to achieve that. However, you don't necessarily have to be as fully available as you might be when you're actually working in the office. So because you spend some time in the office each week, there will be times when you are fully accessible. So when you are out of office, you don't necessarily have to be fully accessible all the time. So it's a matter of actually managing access and ensuring that you're available if it's needed. When it comes to the technology principles that underpin this, the idea is being smart about email or instant messaging, SMS and uh, and the phone. So you need to know how, and you also need to know how to do online meetings if necessary. If you're unable to facilitate really good online meetings because they can be difficult, and we talk about how to do that really well in our book, uh, then instead of scheduling them for days when you're going to be out of office, leave it until days when you're back in the office. office. Otherwise, get good at doing online meetings. And when it comes to things like email, know when it's appropriate to have email, know when it's appropriate to use instant messages, or know when it's uh, appropriate to use the phone. So kind of have a hierarchy or a spectrum of using those different kinds of medium, starting from um, asynchronous, one-on-one kind of um, communication, that's things like email, going all the way to group discussions, which are synchronous, everyone's present at the same time, all all at once and using
0: voice. Yeah, and I think they're already one of the, the clear principles coming through is that you have to learn how to set your own rules because you may be used to working in an office environment where there's kind of like generally accepted rules and guidelines and ways of operating and then suddenly you find yourself in any one of these out-of-office environments and you just have sort to of create your own rules and you've got to set your boundaries. And, uh, and especially like when you start thinking about how you interact with the world, so how you interact with people outside your work colleagues or your clients, then i we, We still recommend that you keep out the world. So if you are going to take Fridays as a day you're working from home, that's probably a good day not to spend time on Twitter and Facebook and discussion forums and things like that, because that's probably going to be the thing that's going to distract you and, and make you unproductive, and that might even mean that you lose your out-of-office privileges.
1: That's right. Uh, when, when these things aren't properly set up, then you do risk uh, undermining or even uh, destroying the whole out-of-office out of situation. So you do have to have clear rules that everyone understands, both yourself and... And the people that you're working with.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think the thing is that with this first situation, Chris, the cross-worker situation, even though it's the one where you're the least out of office, it's probably the most difficult one in terms of personal discipline. And the other two that we're going to talk about, the the e-worker and the digital nomad, once you get in the swing of things, they're probably much easier to manage, and they're much easier to figure out how to still be productive and still be out of office.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's move on to the e-worker, which is our next out-of-office scenario. And it's uh, one that uh, could be referred to as a full-time telecommuter who either works from from home, away from colleagues, or doesn't even have any colleagues, so you might be what's called a solopreneur. You still have fixed working hours, but now you have a single fixed workplace, but it's more isolated. It's something like a home office rather than a shared office. So we're dealing with this differently from the cross because in this situation you don't have the luxury of spending time in the office each week. So you're more fully committed to your home office situation and you need to set it up accordingly. So here your purpose is primarily for the comfort of working full-time from home. And the kind of technology that's going to underpin this is that you'll have set up a permanent home office, so it's going to be a space that's set away from the rest of the home and is dedicated to your work life. You'll need good broadband because you're going to rely more heavily on internet services in order to get your work done. And that can also include having uh, a good mobile, fo- good mobile phone reception. You also need to be willing to invest in a- and see it as an investment rather than a cost. Invest in setting up your home office. You're going to be spending all, mo- all or most of your working time in your office. So focus on having good ergonomics being able to be comfortable, having a good desk and a comfy chair and a good quality monitor and all the other kinds of hardware that are going to make your working life comfortable. You wouldn't put up with poor ergonomics if you're working uh, for an employee in a standard office situation, and you shouldn't do so when you're working from your own home office.
0: And you might be able to get away with, uh, if you're only working, say, one day a week from home, you might be able to get away with something a little bit less comfortable and a little bit less permanent.
1: That's right. That's right. That's... uh, the cross-worker situation is something that can be a bit more temporary, something you can set up every uh, every day that you're doing your out-of-office work. When it comes to interacting with your team, it's a bit different now because you're, it's no longer good enough to simply cooperate when required. You need to actually be able to collaborate because you're not going to be able to rely on going back to the office to get hold of documents that you need. You're full-time out-of-office and you need uh, to be able to collaborate online with your colleagues. So we've talked about the kind of technology you need in a couple of previous podcasts about online collaboration where we spoke about tools that help you schedule meetings, actually perform online meetings using chat rooms and how to share documents as well.
0: Yeah, and all of those things just help you, as you say, collaborate rather than just cooperate because you kind of now, you've made a full-time commitment to this is the way that you're going to work every day and that extends to not just working with your colleagues or your clients, it's also now you talk about how do, we, how do I collaborate with other people in the world. So now, rather than keeping out the world, you start letting in the world and you do that both for personal and professional reasons. So the personal side of it is that it can be sometimes, you can, you can feel a bit isolated, if, uh, especially if you're the only person Working in the home office, and everybody else is in the in the shared office. And for professional reasons, you also want to call on people for help. So we, we ran a couple of podcasts um, in the past about online forums, and we talked about some of the etiquette of taking part in online forums, some of the things to do and things not to do, how to get the most out of them, how to help other people, and really how to be how to feel part of a community, even though you may be sitting isolated in a home office in in Perth. In the most remote city in the world. And I'm talking about you there, Chris. That's right. I'm just out of curiosity, like, what did you find? Do you find any interesting challenges, either personal or professional, when you first started doing your cross-worker lifestyle, which you've been doing now for 10 years?
1: Well, yeah, 10 years ago, one of the most challenging aspects of it was the fact that it was all dial-up in those days, Giham, and so that really just limited how much you could do uh, via, the net, via the internet. And also, that's way back before Web 2.0, so none of the fantastic collaboration tools that we talk about in those, those podcasts were available. There were no wikis, there was no Google Docs, there wasn't even, well, there might have been a very early version of Google. So just none of that infrastructure... That was, that we rely on and take for granted these days existed way back then. I think that's one of the central messages of our book and why we're writing it now is that all that, all this technology exists and one of our messages is get, get the structure and the processes right because no matter what the technological problem there is, the technology, the technological solution probably exists now.
0: Yeah, and in some ways, that the longer you've been at it, the, it may actually be easy for you if you start now, because if you start now and you start with a blank slate, you're thinking, okay, I need to do this, so, for example, I need to do faxing, and you wouldn't go out and buy a fax machine anymore. Whereas if you've, if you've had a fax machine, you may just assume, hey, I need a fax machine, or I need a printer, or I need a scanner, whereas now, many of those tools you don't need anymore, because there are alternatives that are available. Absolutely. And actually, like talking about all this equipment, that that's kind of leads us into the, our third out of office scenario, which is the idea that, uh, that what we're calling the digital nomad it's not a term that we made up, but it kind of describes what we um, what we mean, which is the idea that you. So now you've got maximum flexibility. So you've you've got flexibility not only in where you work, but also when you work. So you no longer have a fixed workplace and quite often you don't even have fixed working hours. That's kind of the life that I leave now, that that I lead now, Chris. I started off as a you know, when I started my business, as the person who was a full time telecommuter, if you like, because I had a business and most of my clients were remote. They were in fact they still are, mostly outside Perth. But now I've got a situation where not only do I are the clients remote but I no longer need a home office and you know this is often seen as being only possible for for independent business owners and right. I, I reckon that is still the most common scenario I'd like to see that uh, other organizations start allowing their employees to do that and even full-time employees can do that but I think it's still rare and I'd like to see more and more employers offering that and I think the reason they don't is Not so much the fact that the person isn't in the office, but it's it's not the flexibility of the workplace, but the flexibility of the work hours. So people still expect you to be available 9 to 5 if you're an employee, whereas if you're a business owner or a contractor in some cases, it doesn't matter. As long as you can get the work done, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it at 2 a.m. in the morning or 2 p.m. in the afternoon so for, for that digital nomad lifestyle what you 're really doing it for is for the freedom, so you get to live by your by your own rules and you 're still getting paid to do it. So the the technology behind that is, I mean, there's there's a lot of technology available now that let you do that. But if I was to think of the three things to think about um, as as rules of thumb, I would say think portable, think digital, and think security. So thinking portable means just think about stuff that doesn't need to be in an office. So you've got a mobile phone, you've got a laptop. Think about the fact that you may be able to get a, get by without print without a printer or a scanner so that whole thing digital is about making sure that you scan the documents that you need so that you don't have to access them from a paper file um, you do your faxing electronically so that you receive faxes by by email which is the way that i do it now so that i never even have to worry about that bit of fax paper um having it in the first place or or having to scan it later Um i now try to get as many suppliers as possible to email their bills to me so that I don't have to be reliant on a, even a, a post box outside my home And um, I can't do that for everyone but for many of my suppliers they will do that so I just get the bill by email and I can pay it online uh, and the third thing as I said is think security so now this becomes a much bigger problem so if you're sitting in a cafe you've got to think about is somebody going to steal my computer or they're going to trip over the power cord or am I going to spill coffee yeah. while I'm working um, and even Technological security. So the, the fact that if you're connecting to public wireless internet access points, then other people may be able to snoop on you. Um, and there have been some recent issues about how easy it is for now people to snoop on your, on your wireless access if you don't do it properly. So there are all these issues around that, um, which you have to, have to figure out and you have to overcome. And you have to think about proactively because some of them aren't obvious, especially things like security issues you might just be connecting to a wireless network, and it works. So you never think about the fact that somebody else could also be connecting and, and logging your passwords. So you've got to be a bit more proactive about it and, and plan it. But once you plan it, it does give you a lot of freedom. That's right.
1: When it comes to working with your uh, the people you work with, be it your team or your clients, it's time that uh, this time around you have to accommodate them because they don't necessarily know when and how you'll be available in their workday. They're the ones who are more likely to have fixed working hours and they're the time. that's the time when they're available. So two things that uh, you can use from a technological point of view are making use of asynchronous communication. And just a reminder of what we mean by asynchronous, that's where the parties involved in the communication don't have to be present at the same time. So things like email are a good example of asynchronous communication. That way you can have particular working hours for the time zone uh, that you happen to find yourself in, Auckland being in one of the least populated time zones in the world, mm. uh, versus say uh, Western Europe or China. And... Uh, the other thing that you can use, or the other thing is that you just need to be aware that your clients or your colleagues are in a particular time zone, and if there is some synchronous communication that needs to go on, then make yourself available and schedule yourself to be available during those times. But they're kind of like the rate-limiting step now. Rather than them having to uh, be aware of your time schedule, you need to be aware of theirs and accommodate them accordingly.
0: Yeah, and I find that here, Chris. I find it, it took me a while to get used to the the change in my workday. So, most of my clients are on the east coast of Australia, and I live on the west coast. So, especially in summer, there's a three-hour time difference. And when I wake up early in the morning, their workday has already started. Whereas here, and when I'm in Auckland, I find that it's the other way around. So, Auckland is two hours ahead. Of Sydney and Melbourne, so when I wake up in the morning, it's not until the early afternoon that I really start getting emails uh, from clients and I start having to interact. So previously where my work day was pretty busy in the mornings and then quietens off in the afternoons, now while I'm while I'm here in New Zealand, it's the other way around. My mornings are really quiet and then the afternoons and evenings can be the times they get, they get busy. It doesn't mean they have to be working all the evenings, but it just means that psychologically I have to wrap my mind around the fact that it's going to be a different part of the day that's going to be busy.
1: Yeah, that's great. So it, that's a great example of how you're accommodating uh, the change in time zone and the effect that that's had on your clients.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and if we're talking about how we how we interact with the world, well, um, that leads on to exactly what we're saying. So you've got the opportunity now to embrace the world, uh, and you know, for people who say who've always said, "Oh, I, I wish I." Uh, when I when I retire, I'm going to travel around the world. Well, I think the thing is you don't need to wait until you retire anymore. There are many, many jobs where you can live this sort of digital nomad lifestyle. Certainly not all, but not every job, but there's, there are many that will allow you to do that. And I've made a decision that for as long as I can, I'm going to spend a month a year in a different city. And so last year was Prague, this year was Auckland, and next year might be somewhere in Europe again. And the technology allows you to do that. And, and there are things that you can do with the technology that make it easy rather than something you have to deliberately work around and it's going to be difficult for you. So, for example, I now have a Skype incoming phone number, which is an O2 Australian number. So in effect, it looks like a Sydney number, but I can get that anywhere in the world. So anywhere that I'm logged onto Skype, either on my PC or even on my smartphone, I can have people ringing me on a local Sydney phone number and I can pick up the call. Uh, similarly, I can make phone calls very cheaply using Skype and I'm not paying international rates through uh, a national carrier here in New Zealand. I'm just paying the. the the Skype rate which in Australia for example for me to call Australia is like 3 cents a minute Uh, so that's easy uh, you do have to make some choices about whether you're going to use local technology or remote technology, so, such as a mobile phone. So, when I'm here in New Zealand, uh, I don't I don't have my Australian mobile phone number accessible anymore. I just bought a, a SIM card from a New Zealand provider, and that just means for for twenty dollars for the month, I've got a New Zealand phone number. and Now, there's pros and cons to that, of course. If you use your mo- your local mobile number a lot, you can't do that because people won't be able to contact you. But me, I don't. So I don't use my mobile phone number for business, so I don't mind giving it up for a month and just using another one instead. And I guess the other thing is that the last thing I'll say in terms of technology is when you're, when you're embracing the world is just expect the unexpected. So what we take for granted in Australia may be very different from what might be the case, what might be the norm somewhere else. Uh, for example, you might find that just because people say you've got internet access in your hotel or your apartment or the house where you that you're going to be renting for a while, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the same quality of internet access that you have um, back at home. So you might be used to Fast broadband, and then you get to a place where it's either very slow broadband or it drops out all the time, or it could be very expensive. Or you might be you might have the pleasant surprise of finding it's faster. Uh, and Australia is still pretty, pretty backwards. And I found that when I was in Prague, that the, the wireless access was super fast and was you know cheap and unlimited. And so just don't necessarily assume that what you're going to experience elsewhere is going to be the same as what you what you'd expect at home.
1: All righty. Shall we wrap it up? I think we should. Fantastic. So, the areas that we've talked about have quite a bit of overlap, and we're not suggesting that you have to fit into only one of them, but it's a convenient way to think of them. Uh, basically, just make some smart choices. The two key points are that it's not necessary to shift your work life each step at a time, and it's also not necessary to reach this digital nomad stage, unless of course you really want it in your life. And our final bit of advice, Kihan? Buy
0: the book. <laughs> It's not ready yet, but we're publishing it soon, in early 2011, and and we'll announce it, of course, in future podcasts, but you can also find it at outofofficebook.com.
1: Fantastic. So we'll keep you updated in future podcasts, and it's getting near the end of the year, Gihan, so it's probably, our next podcast might be something to do with a wrap-up of the year, in retrospect, or perhaps some predictions.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe it's a combination of the two.
1: All right, enjoy the rest of uh, your day in Auckland, Gihan. And the rest of your time.
0: Okay. I will. Enjoy your whole day in Perth. <laughs> Thanks, Gihan. Bye for now.
1: You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.focalpointpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to our past episodes, or leave us your comments or questions. We look forward to having you back next time.